During the month of February, Pastor Jacqueline and I have been involved in a sermon series called The Songs of Heaven. Uh, I don't know about you, but I have thoroughly enjoyed doing this. And maybe for you, it's given you a little bit different perspective on the book of Revelation as we have looked at these various passages and songs that are being sung or have been sung or will be sung in heaven. That's one of the difficult things about Revelation. I'm not sure what tense I should be in, whether it's future, present, or past. And sometimes it may be all three simultaneously. But today we're going to look at the final uh, uh, song of heaven in this series. It comes from Revelation chapter 15 beginning in verse 2. And I invite you now to listen to this word. And I saw what appeared to be a sea of glass mixed with fire, and those who had conquered the beast and its image, and the number of its name, standing beside the sea of glass with harps of God in their hands. And they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb. Great and amazing are your deeds, Lord God the Almighty. Just and true are your ways, King of the nations. Lord, who will not fear and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship before you, for your judgments have been revealed. I invite you to join me for a moment of prayer. Father, today we pray that you would speak in a way that we can understand. Lord, help us to open our ears to hear. Help us to open our minds to understand. Lord, help us to pay attention to what you have to say. Not what I've got to say, but what you have to say. And Lord, may it move us to a different and better place with you. And we make our prayer in Jesus' sweet name. Amen. A few months after the COVID vaccine had been introduced, um, Patty and I were visiting with some family, and she overheard an extended family member make a comment that she said that the COVID vaccination was the mark of the beast. Well, Patty told me that, and when I heard Patty's words, I began to wonder about this particular family member as to what she had heard and why she believed it. And then I said to myself, I wonder if this family member has actually read what the book of Revelation says about the beast and the mark of the beast. Now, would you know, if you take the book of Revelation very literally, and you read what it has to say about the beast and the mark of the beast, to say that the vaccination was the mark of the beast is really a huge stretch. You know, for a long period of time, uh, believers have been interested in this character in the book of Revelation called the beast and this identification, the mark of the beast. And for generations, folks have tried to figure out who is the beast and what is the mark of the beast. And none of us want to take the mark, of course. Well, this morning, I'm not here to tell you who is the beast and what is the mark of the beast. I'll maybe leave that to somebody else at another time because I really don't have a clue. I just want you to know that. But the beast and the mark of the beast are important in what you just heard in this last song of heaven. And we're going to kind of examine for the importance of that in just a moment. This morning, I want to encourage you to listen for a few moments as to who these folks were that were singing this song in heaven 
and also to hear the song that they were singing. A couple of weeks ago, uh, I was in a gathering of about uh, uh, 200 United Methodist pastors. And you know about United Methodist pastors, don't you? Uh, when we're all spread out, we uh, do a pretty good job, but when we're all together, we stink. You know, we're kind of like cow manure in that particular way. Spread out, we do a lot of good. All together, piled up, we stink pretty bad. Well, anyway, we're together, and one of the leaders of that particular gathering did a little exercise with our group, and she asked us to name aloud songs, popular songs and groups from the various decades of those pastors represented there, the 1960s, the 1970s, the 1980s, the 1990s, 2000, okay? Well, you know, I knew every song and group in the 1960s and the 1970s. I knew most of the groups from the 1980s. I knew hardly anyone from the 90s and no one from 2000 and beyond. Now, I don't know what that says about me, Jonathan, other than I'm just old. But, you know, the music that we like, the music that we enjoy says something about us. It oftentimes can identify the era in which we were growing up. It says something about styles that we like and styles that we enjoy. And it's fascinating in this last song that we're looking at here in the book of Revelation, this song of heaven, we see a group that was singing that song. I'm going to call them the Celestial Fiery Choir. The Celestial Fiery Choir was singing. We learned something about those singing this particular song. Now, if you read over this passage, you can easily just kind of pass right over it and not notice what John says about the members of this particular choir. But what he says, while it's just a few words in describing this choir, tells us volumes about who these folks were singing this song. John tells us that the members of that choir had conquered the beast. They had conquered the beast. Now, they didn't conquer the beast in the sense that they had these super weapons that could go against the beast and could destroy the beast. It wasn't as if they were the, the eternals who, who slew the deviants. But rather, these folks had done something different to conquer the beast. You see, when we read about the beast, we quickly begin to understand that the beast in the book of Revelation is contrasted to God. And people basically have to choose sides whether they're going to be loyal to God and remain faithful or they're going to follow the beast and give allegiance to the beast. And they had conquered the beast by remaining loyal and faithful to God. They never gave up on their faith. Now, John's particular use of the word you're conquered, by the way, it is the word Nike or Nikeo, where we get our word for Nike shoes. Uh, by the way, Nike just means to conquer or to have victory. This word is fascinating that he used it says they conquered the beast. Because, you see, two chapters earlier in the book of Revelation, we are told that the beast was given power to conquer the saints. 
But now here's this contrast. The beast did not conquer these folks in the choir. They conquered the beast. Now that is fascinating. And they were the ones that had victory over the beast. They were victorious. They had come through one of the most difficult times imaginable, a time of great suffering. We're told that they were here in heaven on this, this on the other shore, on the shore of this sea, as if it were a sea of glassy fire. Now we saw that sea a little bit earlier, the first sermon that, that we looked at in this series. We found that in heaven there was God on the throne, the very center of heaven, and around God's throne was this great sea of glass. But here is introduced this idea of fire. It was the fiery glass sea. And it seems that what John is communicating is that these who have conquered the beast have gone through a very difficult trial of persecution. They have been through the fire, and now they're on the other side. They're on the other side on the shore in heaven. They are victors over the beast. They are victors over the beast. Gone through what was the most difficult, imaginable situations ever, the most challenging of their lives, and they were now on the other side of that persecution and had conquered the beast. About a decade ago, I went through one of the roughest patches that I've ever been through as a pastor. And it was during that period of time that uh, Laura Story, a, a, a contemporary Christian artist, uh, released a song called Blessings. Now, some of you probably remember that song. And in that song, of course, is about its theme. Uh, she talks about how that we ask for God's blessings. But she kind of flips that song a bit, and she asks the questions, what if God's blessings really come through difficult times in our lives. Here are a few of the lyrics. She says, What if healing comes through tears? What if trials of this life are your blessings, God's blessings in disguise? The words of that song during that difficult time in my life became for me a source of comfort and my anthem. You see, these folks up in heaven had been through the most difficult, trying time imaginable. And through it, God had blessed them, and they're now on the side of victory. I want you to know that whatever you are going through or whatever you will go through, that there is victory in God beyond that situation. Not only that, there's oftentimes victory even in the midst of that. The blessings of God oftentimes flow through in those very difficult moments. You see, the members of that fiery choir, they understood something about that. And they sang about God's works and God's ways. What God was doing 
and the way God did things. They sang, Great and amazing are your works, just and true are your ways. Think for a moment about God's ways. Have you discovered that God's ways are not always your ways? Have you discovered that? God doesn't always do things the way that you think God should do things. Have you noticed that? And you know, that's probably a good thing most of the time, right? You know, God doesn't always do things in the timing that we want God to do things, right? I I want God to do something yesterday. I don't want him to wait till tomorrow, right? Are you there with me? God's ways are oftentimes different than our ways. But they sang God's ways are just and true. Now, when you're going through difficult times, when things aren't easy in your life, when things seem to be going the wrong way, God's ways may seem very odd to you. You may not think that God's ways are right and just, but these folks have been through the most difficult time imaginable and had found God's ways to be just and true. Now again, the book of Revelation doesn't identify who the beast is, whether the beast is a person, whether the beast is an entity, whether the beast is some kind of system. But when you read the book of Revelation, you quickly understand that the beast has tremendous political and economic power. As a matter of fact, The book of Revelation describes the beast telling us that the beast controls who can be involved in commerce and who can't. In other words, who can buy groceries at Food City, who can't. Who can rent an apartment, who can't. Who can go shopping at the mall, and who can't. The beast determines who is involved in commerce. Only those who are in allegiance to the beast, we're told in Revelation, are able to practice commerce. Those who don't, can't. These saints, these members of the fiery choir that we see in heaven singing this song, have been those that did not take the mark of the beast and did not and could not exercise in commerce. Now, many of these persons were probably martyred because of their continued faith in God. But for others who may not have been martyred because of their faith, they couldn't conduct business, just normal everyday business. Imagine a day when you didn't know whether or not you could put groceries on the table to feed your family. You didn't know whether you were going to have enough for yourself for the day. Imagine a foreclosure notice because you can't pay the mortgage on the house you own. They went through one of the most difficult, challenging times imaginable. Suffering for their faith, not knowing how things were going to go, and yet they sang God's ways are just, right, and true. 
they had come to have such an extraordinary faith in God, it's unimaginable. Oftentimes when we're going through difficult times, when some, a member of our family is suffering and it doesn't seem to be right or fair, when, when we've lost a job, when, when life has been turned upside down, when our friend betrays us, when somebody's angry with us, they've turned against us, when life just isn't going well, we sometimes wonder where God is in all that. But there is this reality. God's ways are just and true. Nothing about God's ways were false or manipulative. But they found God to be true throughout what they were going through. And I believe in our difficult times of life, we too can discover that God's ways... We sometimes blame things on God's. It's not God's fault. But His ways are true. His ways are right. They also saying that God's works are amazing and great. God's works are amazing and great. Now, unfortunately, we don't have in this Scripture what actually happened to these folks. So you kind of have to use your imagination. But they found in the midst of all that they were going through that God was present and God acted on their behalf. Maybe it was one evening when they sat down to the table and there wasn't much to feed the family that God multiplied the food. Maybe a gift came that was unexpected that helped to provide food for the family. Or maybe in the middle of a sleepless night, a parent looked into the eyes of a child and saw the face of God. Maybe they saw beauty in the morning sunrise. Maybe they were able to gather with other believers and pray and worship together, and God was present. But they learned that God's works are great and amazing. You know, the season that we've been through has been a challenging season, the season of COVID. It's been especially challenging for pastors, and it's really been difficult to do church and all during the midst of COVID. And a lot of us pastors, when we get together, we talk about how difficult things have been. But yet, in the midst of all these difficulties, I look back over the past two years and I see that God's works are great and amazing. I've got two beautiful granddaughters that have been born in the past two years. You want me to show you some pictures? I got lots of them. I have seen God take care of my family and my friends. I've seen some folks go through some extraordinarily difficult times, and I've seen how God has been with them. I have seen so many of you rally in the church and care for one another and do things in the church and reach out beyond the walls of this church that are really making a difference. God's works are amazing and great. You see, these folks, these folks who had made it through the fiery trial, who had made it through the difficult times, they'd gone to the other shore, they'd gone through the fiery trial, 
And now they were singing about God and they knew who God was. They, they cried out in their songs, Lord God the Almighty, King of the nations, you alone are holy. They knew the nature of God. Now I'm not sure how much of God they knew before going into the difficult times. And you know, when we go into difficult times, we do need to know something about God. But it was through those times, I am convinced, that they learned more intimately and deeply who God is. And oftentimes, it's when we go through these difficult moments in our lives that we do begin to learn who God is. They learned that God is the Lord. This word kurios in the Greek, it's the same word that's used for the emperor of the Roman Empire who was supreme over the empire. They had come to know that God was the Lord. He was the supreme emperor over not just Rome, not just the world, but the whole universe, heaven and earth together. God is Lord. They had come to know that Jesus is the king of the nations. They had come to know that one day every nation will come and proclaim that Jesus is Lord. Every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He is the King of the nations. And they had learned that God is holy. No one holy like God. No one as pure no entity, no being, no force, no human being as pure as God is. No one, nothing as right as God is. God is the only holy one, the holy other God. They had learned who God was. Now with all this, how are we supposed to respond? What are we supposed to do? If we come to have an understanding of who God is, that God is the Lord, the Almighty, that God is the King of the nations, that God is holy, that God's ways are just and true, that God's works are great and amazing, how do we respond? Do we just kind of yawn and say, oh, well, that's nice. Been to church today, done my work, I'm going to hang my coat up when I go home. Or does it demand something else of us? Well, these singers, they give us the clue. They ask, who will not revere and glorify God's name? In other words, they're telling us our response is to revere and to worship God with our whole being, with our whole self. This is the God we serve. And they sang, all nations will come and bow before you, Lord. All nations will bow before you. So what is our response? Our response is worship. It is our act of faith is to worship our God. In just a moment, the band will lead us in a song of worship. It's an act of worship. But let our lives be an ongoing worship of God. Let us worship God together. Let us worship God separately. Let us worship God fully. Because God is the Almighty. Let's pray. Father, today we give you thanks for these songs of heaven. We thank you for the song of this fiery celestial choir. And Lord, let our songs be fiery as well. 
And Lord, let us know who you are. And Lord, let us acknowledge it through our worship of you. And may we worship you fully. And we make our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.